Well, nothing lasts forever, and what was a great start to the season seemed a distant memory as the Saints handed the Hawks a 69-point reality check. Still, there were some positives to be plucked from the contest, and we're going to get to them right here on the Hawk Talk podcast. My name is Nick Mason, and tis my boy Mitch contributed pretty well, even when the chips were down, he got the ups. Yes, yeah, that was the moment worth uh, staying for. <laughs> <laughs> was a very good mark, though. And he did it in, in a sort of consummate ease style. I'm just down the park with a few of the lads, and I'll just <laughs> show you how to do this. And I enjoyed uh, Connor McDonald's immediate fanboy reaction, uh, which was sort of subdued a little bit, but he loved it, didn't he? Gee, I might have needed a bit more from uh, Connor McDonald than a fanboy reaction on the afternoon, but that's okay. <laughs> He's a fourth-game player. I won't go too hard. I thought Connor was one of the... You're talking about... Plucking out the positives, I thought he was one of the players to show some pluck. Uh, there are a few that did not. Oh, absolutely, yeah. No, he can he can walk off proud enough uh, with his efforts at least, even if he didn't have massive influence. I do want to stay with Mitch Lewis, though, because he is the story here. Uh, he's averaging three goals a game at the moment, and uh, when you contribute in that way, even to a losing side, he's a bit wayward in front of goal on this particular occasion, but Tiz, you've got to be happy with what he's putting out there. Yeah, he's saying I'm the, I'm the main man, and uh, in, in a strange uh, game from Jack Gunston, who just didn't seem to get near it all day and, and gave away a f- couple of free kicks and frustration, um, Mitch Lewis really stood tall and tried to impose himself on the contest. Had he kicked a couple of goals going into halftime, and I think Warple missed one himself, uh, you know, it's a, it would have given us a bit of a sniff. But um, as it was, they missed, and, and Hawthorne went into their shells a bit. And, and then, interestingly, Sammy decided that the midfield needed a change-up, resulting in the next man on the list here, Tommy Mitchell, getting his most touches for a long time, 32 at 84% disposal efficiency, mate. I wonder why that was the case. You know, could we crunch the numbers and sift through the stats to work out why his disposal efficiency might have been so good? No, no, no. Let's not break that down because that's one of the nice stats we can pluck. You know, we don't need to analyse it until we don't enjoy the fact that it was 22 handballs. And, uh, you know, but nine score involvements, mate. Yeah. Five intercepts. That's a big game from Tom. It is. Look, it's... We needed something like that. Someone had to get involved and, you know, nine score involvements is an equal team high, five intercepts, five inside 50s. I mean, he's trying. And overlook for MVP on the channels uh, for a bloke that only, you know, put up 47% disposal efficiency. But with his 23 touches, John Newcomb, he just added energy to the lineup, didn't he? It was, uh, it didn't come off very often. But no, well, it came off less than 50% of the time, Tiz, according to the stats. Even less than that, I'd hasten to say. But it was the willingness of the kid that you've got to admire. Like, uh, in the face of uh, Jager and Warple going missing, and uh, I would have to say Impey was completely underdone. Question marks over whether Day is underdone, too, because uh, that was uncharacteristic, um, what happened to him. Um, you know, it's just it was just a really poor day. None of the lines worked. As soon as the defensive unit decided that we should probably start attacking in this game, they were immediately found out. You know, it's just the whole day didn't work out from go to woe. Apart from the first two goals to Dylan Moore, and I was up and about. I thought, <laughs> how good is this kid? 
Dylan Moore, he did fade from the game, obviously, pretty severely after that. That's to be expected. I mean, what a hot start. The hottest of starts. But uh, I thought otherwise. He's a reasonably good contributor. But I think you're right. This is the sort of game where probably the first time this year, or at least in the home and away season, where you felt like there's just no connection. There's no real palpable team spirit out there. It's just not working for us today. The wings. Oh, my God. The wings. What are you... (laughs) What are you going to do about the wings? It'd keep, like, I would imagine going to this game, Sammy was most concerned about Brad Hill, the ruck division. And I've got to say, Reeves, he kicked a goal. He had quite an impact on the contest. This was a very good game from Reeves. Yeah, this is a contest you can give him an honourable mention, for sure. Up against Marshall and Ryder, Ryder, who wasn't match fit, I'd probably say, but him drifting forward was just... Too much for our defence. We're not tall enough. We've got to find out whether Hardigan is is well enough or, or capable enough of playing on on Easter Monday. But I, I would have to give Reeves and Nash, you know, a, a commendation on how well they tried because although they were beaten, uh, Nash didn't give up and and got better throughout the contest. I mean, two tackles to his name, but. He never wants to be in the ruck again. You can see he's waiting for another ruckman to come in the side. This is this is not what he's enjoying. But and uh, nor should Nash be in the ruck either. That's not how we want to use him. <laughs> we'll use him in the midfield just fine, but we need to release him from that role ASAP. Uh, we'll obviously get to team selection soon. I thought of the backman, it was a dirty day for the defenders. Probably one of the dirtiest we can even remember as Hawks fans in recent memory. Uh, James Sicily, at the very least, I think, used the footy well. I think he uh, topped our disposal efficiency. Jack Scrimshaw, I want to give an honourable mention to as well. But uh, it seemed as though Brett Radham was just all over what we were trying to do. He had us sussed out and he, he communicated with his players accordingly. They snuffed out everything we were trying to do. I mean, and Mitchell mentioned this in his post-match presser, nine blunders in our defensive 50 Uh it's, it's not just skill error. It was St Kilda being able to anticipate exactly what we were trying to do. And we didn't adjust, ever. We never learned. No, that was concerning that during the match there weren't any real or noticeable adjustments. Uh, the fact is that we were undermanned for big bodies. Uh, three tall targets down there meant that we couldn't intercept with ease. And then Gresham and, and Hill, you know, they had space. Gresham's very intelligent with the footy. Um, Bradley Hill, we didn't seem to have anyone who was willing to run with Bradley, um, which, you know, is how he's made his career, uh, just <laughs> running over the back. And, and and I still love Bradley Hill. I think he's uh, like he's coming for some real pain and, and people have been very disappointed in his output, but he can break the game. And he did. He broke the game open for them. Um, but our, our wingmen lacked that. We never got pace on the ball. Our ball movement, only when uh, St Kilda were tiring, did it look any good. Um, Look, the one real positive to come out of this match is we still kicked, or still had 23 shots and kicked 10 goals, 13, 73. That's a very high score for for Hawthorne recently. Oh, absolutely. And I think you look at St Kilda, and obviously this is a game where, you know, 142 points, their firepower was superb. Uh, you know, we still managed 73 in what was a pretty rough day at the office. And a guy like Mitch Lewis, as I say, three goals, five. 
you know, he converts a bit better. That's looking at, you know, five, six, seven goals, uh, which you'd take any day of the week. He's becoming a very, well, he, he used to be simply consistent. He hit the scoreboard every week. That's what we enjoyed about Mitch. But now he's doing it and giving opposition teams a lot to worry about. I think all he needs now, mate, is um, a couple of friends out there to hit the scoreboard with him. And and the fact that if he had kicked truly, you get some scoreboard pressure. Yeah, you know. So, are we are we going to do this? Have we got a have we got a lineup for people we want to put on blast? Or oh, absolutely, we do. <laughs> you can't you can't lose in that manner. Sixty nine points. It could have been worse. Absolutely, could have been much worse than that. And uh, I think it'd be remiss of us not to at least highlight some players that we were dissatisfied with. I mean, we're all about balance here on the Hook Talk podcast. James Warple. What is going on with him? We had a question from one of our listeners, Fusa. Uh, what has happened to Warple's development? He was a pet project of Sammy's, it seemed. Five touches for a match is hopefully the lowest point of his career. He looked desperately low on confidence. Would a lockdown role work to give him some direction? And Aff wonders, goes a step further. One of our listeners, Aff, is Warple on the trade table? So the question really is, how does Warple go from being a best and fairest in the absence of Tom Mitchell to this... You know, let's say he had a bad game, but his his month hasn't been fabulous. Sunday was dreadful. Like, I've never seen him play so badly, be out of position so often. The question is, can they play in the same team? Uh, Warple obviously doesn't have a secondary role that suits him in the lineup. How are we going to de- How can we develop Warple into being what we need at Hawthorne in the firsts? Do we drop him to Box Hill? Make sure he can play a different role there. I think he'll stand out too much. It won't be good for his development there. He has stagnated. The half-forward line doesn't suit him. The half-forward line doesn't suit Mitchell. It doesn't suit Amira. It's a real struggle. Correct. <laughs> and when I'm standing in M10, mate, and the siren goes, and I look at where people are lining up, and I see either Amira, Warple, or Mitchell in that forward line, I'm like, it's not going to work. They can't do it. They, they're... <laughs> They have no potency in that position, and it just it it's annoying that either one of them always gets saddled with that role. I just I think it's such a waste. Can you enlighten me as to where Dan Howe was lining up? No. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we could have used him on ball, really, but I never saw any influence from him. Yeah, there's uh, there's some real problems that have been masked by a really well performing backline as soon as. As soon as they're under pressure and uh, they can't hit up targets, it means that the midfield is is really exposed again um, because you can't get that transition and it just it just stops. Our forward fifty entries were way too easy to stop and 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 then we were caught on the rebound um, because we we overindulge in the number of bodies we sent forward. So with Warple, you just got to persist with it unless Sammy thinks, look. Shields would put in a better effort. I think the issue is, the thing that you've got to weigh up is that Liam Shields is obviously not really the future of this club. We know he's a quality player. He's top tier. He has the credits in the bank. So, I mean, you could pick him, but you've got to understand that it's not really the way forward in any real meaningful way. However, that being said... You've got to set standards. Exactly right. You've got to set standards, and I don't want ours to be a team where they persist with a midfield that, frankly, is not feared. Uh, this is not a midfield to be feared in any way, 
and Warple is part of that midfield and gets five touches. I mean, come on. You, you gotta, there is a time where you got to say, we want to try something else. This rebuild is in its infancy, and you got to start taking those chances now and say, well, who have we got? If you're not going to do it, if you can't get it done, then who else have we got? Do we start playing Finn as a pure midfielder more? Do we bring up Ned Long for his debut? Now, look, Finn came in, 13 touches, was it? Mm-hmm. Looked fine. Looked like he could handle the bumps. Looks like he could handle the physicality of the St Kilda midfield. Uh, you know, maintained possession fairly well. It gave a hell of a lot more than Warple in, in limited game time because he came on for Will Day. Uh, and, and Finn McGuinness eclipsed Warple's output very easily. Yeah, I mean, different roles and, and that, but still, he got his hands on the footy. Now, I would say that Josh Ward and Connor McDonald tried very hard, but they they look like they're, they're tiring a little bit. Uh, I don't know what happened to Jack Gunston, but probably forgive him. Well, it's hard <laughs> not to forgive him, given everything we've seen from Gunners, but three touches. What I would say is, you know, if you drop Wingard and you bring in Dan Howe, and Dan Howe has no impact, I don't see why you you should have brought in either Jekka or Kozitski and had a third tall up there to bring the ball to ground. That get-out kick, because if we... You know, we didn't have a get-out kick the whole weekend. That, that's what made the scoreline so harsh because we just couldn't pump it down and get it out of play. So I think this week we have to bring in a tall. We probably have to make a statement with Warple. And uh, certainly Phillips looked excellent in the VFL. He was easily best on. You know, it's not all doom and gloom. I mean, it's just St Kilda. They've tailed us up a couple of the last years as well. It's It's kind of strange that we go to water against them. It is especially odd. The thing about the Saints, though, is I I don't think they're much chop, which is funny for me to say when a team piles on 142 points for a game. Um, Most teams would have done what St Kilda did against us, the way we were playing, some of the decisions we were making. We kept giving the ball back. Oh, directly (laughs) feeding them goals. Like, the amount of kicks to them, like, straight to the opposition and handballs, I... It's probably the worst defensive display I've seen in some time in terms of, you know, direct turnover goals. But look, any any team would have punished us the same way, just about. So I, I don't really fear St Kilda. However, they, they do appear to be our bogey side, unfortunately, for whatever reason. We've got a few questions here. This first one from Mark. Uh, love your work, Nick and Tiz. Thanks very much, Mark. Uh, just want your thoughts on Jager O'Meara and his leadership. Playing-wise, he's struggling. However, he's really important for the young crew with Big Boy out. I liked him standing up to Ryder after the day hit, and then he got us a nice retaliation 50. Yeah, it's good to see that um, standing up for day. So Ryder's got two weeks. As well he should. And we'll be lucky to see Will Day for a couple of weeks, I would imagine. I don't really want to be this critical of, of the selection committee at this stage, but Impey looked completely underdone. And he wasn't gelling at all well with that back line. I, I would say he had he should have had another week at VFL. It certainly seems like it, yeah. Will Day, uncharacteristic in the last couple of games, didn't look particularly good at, at VFL. I'd have to say, and and got elevated, and now we lose him for a couple of weeks. Wings, definitely underdone. Got a couple of goals out of him, luckily, for two weeks. Now he's gone. Uh, I don't know what's going on with John, but he doesn't look fit. Uh, Shields didn't look fit, got dropped. Still didn't look fit in the VFL. He'll probably get elevated. And then you've got Nash drifting forward, as well as playing in the ruck. He's the third tall in the forward line. I'm not exactly 
loving some of these selections or these, you know, there's a, there's a theme there where Phillips is fit and overlooked for some reason, whereas I, I could have seen much more out of Phillips than Howe on the weekend. And look, I know it's a youth policy. Phillips ain't that, ain't that old. He probably wasn't doing the team things, though. I don't know. But there's just a bit of a theme there that blokes that Sammy thinks is should be in the lineup get back in before they're necessarily good enough to play. I'm just concerned that, you know, it's the names and some of the reputations, uh, established reputations of these players that let them float on through to, say, maybe even round seven or race before serious questions have started to be asked of them. O'Meara being one of them, he hasn't set the world on fire in any game this year, but he'll get picked next week, I've no doubt. His acceleration's gone. Yeah. You know, accelerating away from the contest. He even had that last year. That, that's sort of gone. But look, Sammy need, Sammy's going to get plenty of time, so we're going to see everything he wants out of these boys. But I just think he's been a little bit premature and bring a couple of these guys or leaving them in the lineup um and he'll work that out but i really want to see long at some point get a game i'm not sure if it's against geelong but he looks like he could be anything and i don't want him to turn into a vfl player please just <laughs> elevate him and we'll and we'll watch all the mistakes i don't i don't mind by the end of the clash against the cats we could be saying gee long oh no <laughs> it's, it's much too early for that nonsense uh we had a question from numo here uh do we have a replacement for chad in the forward line on the weekend we used nash at times which is like reverting back to the old days would we consider a butler to add a different dynamic to the forward line or is it still too early well a butler would give us silver service tears yeah um unfortunately it's not up to silver service quality in the vfl yet but you know all signs are good from butler um you know there's there's other fellas like Saunders didn't play last week for whatever reason. Seamus Mitchell also out of the VFL lineup. Yeah, it was disappointing. I was looking out for them. I, I, so I rolled into the VFL, watched that, got to three quarter time of the AFL, and I'm thinking this is exactly the scoreline reversed. What is going on here? <laughs> it, it was peculiar. Well, do you want to jump ahead to the Box Hill stuff? Absolutely. We won that game, Nick. Let's go. <laughs> We have, a, we have other listener questions to get to, but we'll try and circle back around to them. Uh, th- this was good stuff from Box Hill. After back-to-back defeats to open the season, they're on the board. They secured a strong 43-point win over Sandringham. And uh, you've got to say, Tiz, they made the most of the Zebras' poor disposal efficiency, particularly in that first half, and really punished them on the scoreboard. It was a solid, if unremarkable, performance overall, but sometimes that's all you need. You just need to get a good win. Yeah, look, they, they made it clear early that they were they were there to win. Um, Sandy just missed so many opportunities. It was ridiculous. Became a, almost a laughing stock. And, uh, you know, the Box Hill boys made the most of it. The back line looked pretty good. No one really took the game by the scruff of the neck. I know Liam Shields had 27 disposals, but it was really his tackling pressure that was the main influence on the game. He, he was having a lot of uh, passes between him and Tom Phillips. Uh, <laughs> there was a lot of that going on, sort of padding the numbers a bit because uh, because they could. And, um, you know, Tom Phillips got 28 touches and a very, very nice goal. He sort of uh, shimmied and shaked and stuck it through from about 45 on the angle and lots of good stuff to like. Um, Ball movement was fine, but the fact that they were playing on the MCG, it looked like uh, 
It looked like slow motion. Yeah, really. it did. <laughs> it absolutely. There was so much space for these guys, and they're not as quick as the AFL, and they don't kick as long. And it was it was interesting to see the difference uh, in that way. But um, yeah, Liam Shields, Tom Phillips stood out, as did Ned Long. There was one passage of play where uh, it was just him against three Sandy players who were trying to triangulate and just get it around him, and he and he managed to intercept the handball twice and tackle a bloke, and uh, get it out of bounds. And it was a terrific play from a young player. And um, his uh, his physicality in the contest and his, and his height and uh, his unpredictability as a young player could be very advantageous to our midfield. Uh, just who do you drop? That's the, that's the question. Well, Ned Long was very impressive uh, for that particular passage of play that you mentioned. Just his overall endeavour I really liked. 15 touches, three inside 50s, and a game-high 11 tackles. So he seems to be backing up week after week, Ned Long, his tackling numbers at the very least. And, uh, I mean, pressure is a great thing. Another number 27 that's going to have a cult following. I'm telling you now. <laughs> I think you might be right. We had a question from Richard Rule, uh, just wondering if Liam Shields' papers are stamped. Does he get another game at Hawthorne? I mean, yeah. Uh, like, is anyone really surprised at his output here? He's not a VFL player. He was going to shine. Numo and Matt sort of wondering, you know, do you, do you end up picking Tom Phillips? Again, based on this game, he'd have to be in the frame for selection. In terms of the goal kickers for the day, Ben Kavara was the most prolific forward with four goals, three for Parsons, two for Green, and one goal each for Butler, Callow, Mesiti, Tom Phillips. Ed Phillips kicked a beauty from the boundary set shot, uh, and Jalen Thorpe. Uh, Cozzy sustained an eye injury in the opening term, which is if you tuned in or you're at the ground, you're wondering, where the bloody hell is Jacob? Uh, that's what happened. He came off in the first term uh, with what seemed to be an eye injury, um, but he's since been cleared of any serious damage. And one of our listeners, uh, Obsessive Compulsive Wonders, my question regarding Cozzy two weeks ago still seems relevant. Where to for him? With Mitch seemingly ahead of him at full forward, is Cozzy now a Box Hill regular, a potential key position defender, or something else? Well, they had him penciled in for Ruck down there at uh, Box Hill, so... Well, <laughs> I think it was out of necessity. They simply had no choice. Yeah, I thought they managed that quite well, actually. The Ruck wasn't very much of an impact on the on the overall contest so i would be calling for cozzy this week yeah i would be they need they need talls uh my inclusions might be cozzy and lynch in fact is lynch good to go because i don't want to rush someone back again you get me (laughs) yeah i get you lynch is expected to be right to go i mean he has history with concussion so you know he took a little bit of time and then there were covid protocols to also overcome for him to prove his fitness So it's expected that he will be okay to go this week. I want his touch to be good. Well, that's it. He's not going to have any match fitness. So, you know, there's a rolls of the dice here to be made if you want to make them. But, yeah, I agree with you. At the very least, you'd need a bit of um, tall influence. And if you're wondering, the Hawks will be in action uh, next Sunday, April 24. They're away at Coburg in the annual Anzac Cup clash between the sides. And... Hopefully this is the start of something for Box Hill. They, they had a, a tough start to the season with the two back-to-back losses. Hopefully they can get some momentum. Yeah. Wasn't it fantastic to have the double header though? I really enjoyed that. Yeah, more of that, please. And I don't I don't really mind what combination you have. I, I would like to see a VFLW team there as well. Um, yeah, I don't mind. I like curtain raises. I grew up on curtain raises, mate, and I, I would have to research why they went away. Because it felt to me, being a young lad, all of a sudden they were there and then they were gone and I missed them. <laughs> well, 
it was just nice to uh I go to the cricket with a book and I I attended the footy with a book this week. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's a it's a more relaxed atmosphere. It's quite going down to Box Hill of course, but um I did eat a bit more MCG food than I intended, having been there that long. You know, I just uh, yeah. See, that's what they want. Yeah, <laughs> and there's no red rooster anymore. No, no, there is not. Um, and they got rid of the the old pieman. He must have been about 110, but uh, he's no longer there. Uh, Institute of the MCC. Didn't they bring in a company called Royal Stacks? I'm like, yeah, that's what it will take to afford this stuff. <laughs> Oh, jeez. Wow. Comedy festival running till April 24th. Yeah, no, that'll get people going. <laughs> we have some questions ahead of the Hawthorne-Geelong game. The MCG for Easter Monday, 3.20pm. Uh, one here from Hutcho. Tough draw ahead coming off a poor performance against the Saints. What's a pass mark for the next three weeks? And now the next three weeks, Tiz, they're not easy games. One week at a time, Nick. <laughs> okay, one week at a time. Uh, what What is a pass mark against the Cats here? I think we certainly need to be a bit more competitive and a bit less mind-boggling in some of our decision-making. Well, look, um, in preparation for this clash, they obviously rested Joel Selwood, so um, they're really concerned about how this might go. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Look, uh, if they learn from some of the mistakes they were making against St Kilda, that's that's all you can really ask of a... Of a of a mob that's still learning their new playing style, and also um, they've got some players that are still trying to get match fitness uh, in the squad. So, look, I went into the Hawth- I went into the St Kilda game thinking, you know, Hawks by how much? Uh, so, what kind of you know really dented my confidence to see the game plan completely fail, and uh, you know Brett Ratton went to task on on putting the pressure. Now, do Geelong? rely on that kind of pressure forward role not not really so he probably looked a little bit better against Geelong to be honest I'm a little bit worried about their their tall hulking forwards I don't necessarily think we have an answer to that and I don't think Hardigan will necessarily be recalled uh Lord Chester at Hawk Talk Pod asks are we missing a tall hulking defender well yeah we are we haven't been playing him it's Kyle Hardigan that's what he's there for he'd be ideal for this game but without any match fitness I'm not sure we'll see him, and then I, if that's the case, I think we're a little vulnerable. Oh, definitely. I think um, the easiest way to sort of stop our uh, defensive line working is by having a couple more tall forwards down there, and uh, that's exactly what they'll do. They'll drop the ruckman forward as well, um, but we've got to be mindful of how the ball gets in there. That's all we can do. If we're not putting pressure, and we certainly weren't against Geelong, if we're not putting pressure enough on the ball carrier, then that's it. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, we saw that with the Saints. If the midfield's not holding up their end of the bargain, don't do your defenders dirty, guys. They're a bloody dependable and talented defensive unit, but they can only withstand so much if you're not pulling your weight. So I hope the players look after each other there. Uh, we had a question from Stewie Bro. If Lynch isn't available, could we bring in Cozzy or Jekka to pinch it in the ruck and offer a target resting forward, thus releasing Nash back in the midfield role who was so good for us earlier this year? Uh, neither are proper rucks, but have a height and releasing Nash should be a plus. Uh, I don't have much to say about this, Tiz, apart from the fact that I agree. I wouldn't rush Lynch back, but uh, definitely Cosy could do some pinch inning in the ruck. I'm not sure Jacker could. Um, I, I think we see, like I said, I want Cosy in that in that lineup just to uh, give um, Gunston and 
and uh, Mitch Lewis a better matchup. So we know that Will Day is going to be out of this lineup with a concussion. Uh, I mean, we've got we got options for ins, as we saw with Box Hill, Shields, Phillips, Long, Cozzy. Um, I, I, it's still hard to predict, even though the options are laid out there. I still don't necessarily know who's going to make the cut. And indeed, who will be omitted? If it were up to me, then Warple would be out of the side. I mean, you could make a... You could make a guess that one of Connor McDonald or, or Ward will be rested. Yeah, uh, and, and it, it's not to, it's not a reflection on their performance per se, but it might be about time for either or both of them to have a rest. And if you see an emergency button hit like Hardigan coming in with a woeful display in the VFL, uh, yeah, hold on to your hats. I was about to suggest <laughs> that he didn't play VFL against the against the Zebras, but no, you're talking about round one. Yep, yep, uh, yeah. Uh, I might have tried to repress that, actually. Yeah. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) But look, we're a young team. They can recover quickly. Like, there was a certain confidence, which I don't think was stripped from them, uh, playing St Kilda. They know that was a bad day. They know a lot of things went against them. And uh, there was a disconnect between Impey coming back into the lineup across the half-back line. So, you know, don't worry too much. But the best thing against the Saints all weekend, mate, it didn't happen at the MCG. Yeah, Box Hill got the win, but it actually happened against the Southern Saints. Hawthorne VFLW, the sixth win in a row, if you don't mind. They are the form side of that competition. No one wants to play them. Um, they've got a terrific captain. And look, we haven't announced many AFLW signings yet, but uh, why wouldn't you want to join this club? Exactly. Got so much going for it. We hyped this up as this side's toughest test for weeks, mate. And it really lived up to the billing. Hawthorne took on the Southern Saints and were really made to earn a 21-point win. It was an entertaining contest and very tense in particular, I think around that, uh, well, for, for about half hour to an hour there, where both teams tried to wrestle it back onto their terms. Uh, Dom Carbone was uh, one of the best of field for the Hawks, but the MVP honours have to go to the captain, Tamara Luke, who finished with three goals. Two of them were back-to-back to effectively see off the Saints' challenge, closed the door, and it was fantastic to see. Uh, we had a question from Liam here at Hawk Talk Pod. On a scale of one to very, how excited are we about the entry into the AFLW? Bridget Deed comes fourth in the NAB League, best and fairest, and is named in the team of the year. Looks to be a star in the making. Liam, I'm very excited, evidently. I I watch every game that I can at the moment. I stream it live, and why wouldn't you? When they've won six in a row, I'm riding the wave, and I would encourage people to not sleep on this team. Do not sleep on Hawthorne entering the AFLW. I think it's going to be more exciting than people are anticipating. Ah, oh, it is absolutely magnificent. And we've seen off Gil as well. <laughs> like, he's noticed. Hawthorne are going to dominate this competition, and he's like, I'm not here for this, and <laughs> off he goes. Gill's gone. Yeah, yeah, he had to stand and watch us receive the Premiership Cup, what, three years running? He's like, oh, I don't want to do this again. The body language was magnificent. Oh. I'll never forget that. That was terrific. Uh, yeah, look, I, I, my hope for the AFLW side at this point is I just need more signings. You know, I think it was yesterday I saw that Sydney had signed another three players all in one hit, and I'm like, well... We've signed three total. I think they've signed at least six that I can think of. Three were poached from us. So <laughs> I, I just, I, I want to continue riding that wave. So 
more please more vflw more aflw i'm excited for the future and all these games are being streamed by the way so if you if you do want to get on board you can very easily do so and in much the same way as you do have your favorites for box hill you have your favorites for the senior side you'll absolutely get acquainted with these players very quickly and you'll come to love the way that they play and apply themselves and Oh, it's it's going to be real exciting to see what happens next. Yeah, it's it's a storyline that'll pay off well, I think. Even if they are going to be a first year squad, um, I think they're going to be, you know, a very good representation of how Hawthorne want to be playing women's footy. The team will next be hosted by Williamstown at Downer Oval. Let's hope it's not a downer for our Hawks tiers who look to win their seventh in a row. I believe that's third taking on eighth. So still a reasonably good challenge. Uh, But, you know, from what I've seen week to week, I back him in. Now, we've got some rumours and innuendo to finish the pod. How exciting. And now we welcome Caro onto the pod. Oh, that would be... What a get, first of all. No, no. No, thank you. <laughs> Not welcome here. Look, I don't have a lot of time for Caro, and uh, it took Robbo to um, muckrake just as much, and he went off to Michael Long. And, uh, you know, apparently families don't get along, Nick. Uh, is this what Cyril needed? Is this what Hawthorne needed? Um, just sounds like a couple of uh, little... Social grenades that Michael Long's chucking in. I mean, I don't see that that Cyril really owes him all that much, but uh, apparently Michael feels aggrieved. Oh, look, there's as as two middle-aged white men. Uh, there's only so much I feel like we can comment on this story. I suspect we're a bit out of our depth. I don't know. That's just my suspicion. But uh, look. <laughs> Michael Long has spoken out about Sir Rioli saying that he hasn't been in contact with him for four years and believes that Rioli needs professional help, was the quote, to address issues in his life, which was an interesting little, uh, I don't know, twist in the tail. Drive-by? Well, it, it was it was a drive-by, certainly, and it was it complicated the issue that we brought up on last week's podcast, the much-publicised rift that with the Rioli camp and the Hawks and everything that was mentioned in Caro's article. The headline, man doesn't get along with uncle, I think definitely deserves front page of the paper. <laughs> Again, I think there might be uh, familial ties that, that might take on a little bit more more significance than, than we have an understanding of. That's my suspicion here. So I'm not going to dismiss it outright. Uh, this, this quote from Michael Long, uh, we love our nephew, but we've seen the change in our nephew and it's not the way we've brought him up, he told the Herald Sun. We've brought him up to have respect, but that's change and he needs to get professional help. A lot of people helped Cyril along the way and there are a lot of family and friends who got Cyril to where he got to and he became estranged to a lot of family and friends. As a man, he needs to stand up and take control of his life. I mean, this is just... Uh, a horrible and, and non-supportive act from Michael Long. And uh, if Cyril is struggling to find himself after a career in football, as many do, thousands of footy players have that struggle, is Michael helping? And I think the answer to that is a definitive no, he is not. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no. No, I'm on, I'm on Cyril's side. Michael Long should shut his mouth if... He's looking to help Cyril at all, other than this sort of power manoeuvre. He might need help. Michael might be right, but this is not how you approach this. Yeah, 100% agree with that. The odd silver lining to all of this is that article 
it, it sort of took the edge off all the negative Hawthorne PR of late. I'm like, oh, thanks, Michael. That's actually, you've done us, you've done us a good service there. You've sort of taken the heat off us just a smidge. Uh, but you're right, this is not the way to go about it. You don't want this to play out in the press. I mean, if, if he is seriously in dire straits, then this is not how you do right by him. Well, you're right. I mean, Michael Long basically came out and said um, the Kennett confrontation was a nothing. And, you know, he, he completely derided that. Uh, Luke Hodges come out and says he felt all issues were dealt with in his time. Um, and so... All the allegations and whatever Cyril's feeling have, have been denied him, you know. So now it's it's really it's a sad state of affairs for Cyril because he, he's lost family support. There's people in the public that don't support him. The club he denies any support from them, uh, and of, and he's become estranged from some great mates he he made during footy. So we all feel for Cyril, and you know, but. You're right. It looks like the club sat on their hands, um, trying not to come out in, and you know, it, what am I trying to say? They're they're not uh, looking to confront him. They just they just look to uh, look past the moment and look to a future where Cyril's back in the fold and happy, and they want to get him there. And uh, they they understand that they probably you know. It, 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 the lack of influence the club can have now is is you know what can what can they really do? There's not a lot. I I, I don't know. They've they've got to earn his I don't know trust and commitment to the club back, and I'm not necessarily sure how they do that. I mean, I said it last week. The, I think the only way to do that is in consultation with the the people that. This affects, and that is Indigenous people. That's Cyril himself. I think they have to collaborate with the club in, in guiding some sort of solution here because the, the club can't do it itself. I think they'll just be fumbling around in the dark, not knowing how to do anything about this. That would be my solution. I would I would tell Cyril, uh, what would you like to do? Give him some autonomy in whatever role that was and, and let him act as he likes for the good of uh, the AFL, the club, whatever. Okay, and and just just uh, say we've got confidence in you, and you know go about it because he is a he. From what we we know of him, and we don't know him very well, but from all his actions within the club and interviews and things, he's a very shy, emotional character. Um, but you know, terribly driven, and if he is going through issues with identity post footy, you know, sometimes people need more help. You know. I think one thing's for certain. The fact is that, you know, since that Caro article, everything we've heard and read in that time afterwards, it just appears as though this is even more complicated than what was first thought. And that that's upsetting. Are you saying Caro's made it harder? The solution to something, she's actually made it more difficult to reach a point where there could be a breakthrough. Well, that's not like Caro. Well, and Robbo. I mean, but that's, you know, the casualties of reporting here. That's that's what's happened here. It's it, when it's played out in this in such a manner. I, I think it is great to shine a spotlight on such significant and, and important social issues. But yeah, I mean, all told, you, you can't help but think, what has been the true cost of this? Uh, are these parties closer to to mending things, to building bridges? Are we closer to where we want to be because of this? I mean, the fact is that 
the, the club is trying. We know now that Sam Mitchell has a very personal stake in trying to reach Rioli and mending things, and I think that's great. Uh, I do wonder if, as you're suggesting, Tiz, has it been damaged? Has all of this damaged things further? I don't know. Look, in general, I would say that there's no point in going back over anything or tearing it down or anything like that. Build something new and be proud of that. Yeah, you, you have to find a way forward. Part of that is acknowledging what happened, absolutely. But um, yeah, they've got to find a constructive way to get through this and, and get forward. That'll be our episode for another week, mate. Although, mind you, we do have one final question, which I promised I would address. This one from Arriving Virus at Hawk Talk Pod. The real question we're all wondering, what does the dancing stereo mean? Is that just backup music for the fat lady who's singing at that <laughs> time of the game? This, of course, referring to the sign that was held up on Hawthorne's bench towards the uh, the end of the contest against the Saints that, that featured a, a cartoon image of a boombox dabbing. Yeah, which incidentally is probably the action that Will Day should have done after he kicked the ball. <laughs> He'd gone with the dab into Ryder. What I mean by that is raise the elbow straight into Ryder's head. I think anyone that dabs, that's a uh, that's a 12-week offence right there. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, look, I thought it meant rhythm, control the rhythm of the game, sort of slow it down. Yeah, tempo sort of thing. Bit of tempo footy, you know. Was that what you were going for? or? Well, what you didn't see is that they also held up a magic eye, did a bit of Where's Wally, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just to keep the keep them cognitively engaged, the players. You know, it's late in the game, you've got to get those minds working, you know? Yeah, it's an interesting... Uh, development in footy having placards that sort of signify things it's uh i don't know anyway gil can hang his hat on that that is a really really good development for the game (laughs) (laughs) on that note we'll begin to wrap up uh you might be listening to this episode via some kind of app maybe spotify maybe apple Podcasts. now if you are on apple Podcasts, you can leave us a rating or a review Tell the world how much you enjoy our show. We'd really appreciate that. You can also find us on Twitter. We just hit 3,400 followers, a massive milestone, and we're not done yet. If you're not on board, join that community, the best online community of Hawks fans out there, and you can be part of our Facebook family too, facebook.com slash hawktalkpod, and we're on Instagram, of course. And lastly, as always, we'd like to extend a big thank you to those that support us via Patreon. And uh, just on that, we'd like to give a shout-out to our latest proud, passionate, and paid-up Patreon subscriber. Welcome aboard, Chris. We really appreciate you being on board with us. It's this kind of support, Tiz, that, you know, really helps us do the show week in, week out. And if you're out there and you do want to join up, all the details are at patreon.com slash hawktalkpod. Now, I have been speaking to a couple of mates who've been thinking that uh, perhaps Easter Monday isn't a go this year. Uh, I would like to say, got to be there. They deserve your support. Those first couple of weeks and the new things they're trying, got to be there to celebrate how, how, how much they're doing for the team. Well, it's as we said, you know, in the lead up to this season, if you want to say you were there, now's the time. <laughs> You gotta put in the hours. You gotta stand. You gotta cheer on the boys. You can say you were there before it was cool. I can say I was there in the mid two thousands. You know, especially the two thousand three, two thousand four. Those were dark days, mate. But I know I was there and I was cheering on the team, and that made the good times even sweeter. Now, look, if if Net Long gets called up this week, I I will remember that passage of play for years. That VFL passage of play that you know was him putting his hand up effectively to get get into the lineup. And if he emerges as a high-quality talent, that will be the moment. And I was one of about 15 who stood and applauded. 
Oh, it's like a GWS game on Mother's Day all over again. <laughs> uh, now, we should give a plug for uh, the Easter Sunday training at Bunjil Bagora, uh, Waverley Park, that is, Sunday, 17th of April, 10am to 11am. So in preparation for the Easter Monday clash against Geelong, players will commence training at 10.15am. Get along, watch the boys train. There's plenty planned, of course, including kids' activities. you got partner activation. You can get your membership sorted, your hawk's nest stuff. And uh, visit the museum, plus tis a visit from the Easter Bunny. Oh, the actual Easter Bunny. How'd they get him? That's a hell of a gig. I just want to get the chocolates on Monday. I'm not worried about Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. So I take it you are getting along Monday, then. You sound like you're keen. I'm certainly keen. You just don't miss a Hawthorne-Geelong clash, because you just never know what's in store. I know what we fear is in store, tis. I think we fear an absolute mauling at the hands of the Cats. But we know, and, and history informs this very well, that anything can happen against this side. You can have an absolute classic. Don't worry about that. Look, we have a game style that could trouble them. Collingwood got very close. They're, you know, they're not unbeatable, Geelong, by any means. And wouldn't it just be absolutely terrific to see this young mob towel up Dad's army? You just <laughs> never know. You've got to be there to witness it for yourself. It'll be really pleasing if it came to that. That's another edition of the Hawk Talk podcast, done and dusted. We'll be back, of course, to uh, to wrap up all the action of our Easter Monday clash with Geelong. That's Monday, 3.20pm. We'll catch you next week. We are a happy team at Hawthorne.